Hey, Rooster Boosters. Welcome to Rooster Booster Time with the big guy, Scott Ferraro. We're back again to give you another, some more insight into some of the roosters on the roster. And, and here we have Jake Fury. And Jake has been a rooster uh, for three years now. And uh, he's going to give us some insight on kind of what it's like to, to be on the roster and, and fight for a spot every week to stay on there. Jake, thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Scott. Uh, it's awesome what you're doing with this show. So thanks. It's, it's great to be on. Appreciate it. Um, so we'll get right into it. You know, um, a lot of people know that a lot of MLR players, besides obviously playing professional rugby, they do other things outside of that. Now, you are actually the owner and I, I guess the head physical trainer of Stretch Recovery Lounge in Ridgewood, New Jersey. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, absolutely. So what's your main focus with the business there? Yeah, so uh, Stretch Recovery Lounge is essentially, uh, we opened up in October 2019, and it's an athletic recovery facility. And so we do a lot of different modalities to help people recover in between their workouts. So whether it's uh, assisted stretching or soft tissue work, um, you know, Graston, Normatec compression boots, Hypervolt, cupping, things like that. It's essentially an athlete recovery space. And then given the last couple of months and, uh, you know, the, the global pandemic and everything going on with coronavirus, we pivoted the business a bit and we also have added a fitness element. So now kind of half of our facility is dedicated to recovery and half of it is uh, essentially a gym for one-on-one -on -one personal training. So now we're both a place where you can come do personal training and do fitness and then also have the recovery aspect as well. That's great. You know, I think it's, for, for people who don't aren't professional athletes, obviously who are doing um, uh, running marathons, doing Ironman competitions, you know, obviously recovery is a, a big thing for just the average person. If you just want to, you know, kind of do, do more of a workout than just, you know, kind of just getting your reps in. And I think that that type of thing is now going from being a professional athlete type of thing to a, a normal person type of thing. Cause you know, obviously people have to work out and then go to work the next day. <laughs> and, yeah. You know, conti yeah, and continue their workouts. You know, obviously everybody's had that where they start a, a workout or they start a regiment and, you know, three days in they're sore and, and they don't know what to do. So it's glad to see that these things are popping up that can actually help somebody again, outside of a professional athlete or a semi-professional athlete to, to get this done. Um, so you, you mentioned COVID. Um, I'd like to point out that, you know, unfortunately your business had to close down due to the statewide regulations of, of, of of some of these businesses closing, but you were one of the first guys to adopt the model of putting something out on the internet as far as classes. And I mean, I mean, literally like three or four days in, you were already, you already had out there that you were going to have classes for people. Um, so how, how, what kind of, uh, what kind of people were like, did you have a lot of feedback from it? How did it go? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, th thank you for that. And, you know, it was a bit of a learning process. So given, our focus is really, really hands-on in our facility. You know, you know, we're doing massage work, we're doing stretching work. It's, it's you know, involves physical contact, right? So, it's um, not the easiest type of service to convert to a virtual space because, um, obviously, virtual you can't have that physical human contact that is involved with a lot of the modalities that we do. So, we had to try to, you know, take our audience and let them know, well this could be an extended period of time that you're hung up and you're stuck inside. And there are things that you can do, whether it's um, stretching or doing uh, self myofascial release, using fo foam rollers, using rolling sticks, using lacrosse balls and, and things like that to kind of um, 
keep you moving and keep your mobility and keep you healthy. So that was kind of a bit of a learning curve, I think, for a lot of our audience, especially the people who came to us were people who really wanted the hands-on. So it took a little bit of convincing at first to try to be, tell people, you know, hey, you you can't just take three months off without doing anything, um, but there are things we can do. So I think once we kind of were able to educate and let people know that there, you know, while it, it might not be at quite as beneficial as getting the work done in the facility that we do, uh, there's still gains that you can make and uh, you can definitely try to maintain as much as, you know, you've already had um, on your own. So once we got that message out, it, it started to pick up a little bit. Awesome. And I think everybody realized, I at first, I don't think most people realized how the the, the length of how, how, how long everything was going to be shut down for. And I think, you know, by week five, people realized, hey, I, I have to take this seriously. Um, you know, I'm stuck in the house. I'm not, you know, some people, my father in particular, like, you know, he goes, he's 65 years old. He, he goes to work, takes the train, then he walks the, the 10 or 12 blocks back and forth, you know, to the train. And he, he lost that. And, and just that little bit of walking every day, you know, now he's been sitting on the couch. He still hasn't been recalled back to the office yet. And you can tell he's kind of like, you know, getting a little, his, his, his shoulders are rolling forward a little bit. He's kind of getting a little paunch and, and he's realizing now that even that little bit of work that you would get, um, without being touched is something that you need. Um, so I've found that uh, really amazing that you were literally, literally like the first people I saw to do it and you implemented it very quickly. And it looks like your customers turned around and really started to enjoy it. Um, so so speaking of that, I my, my biggest question for you is, so having this place in New Jersey, was it easier for you to go to the Rooney practices in this 2020 season versus going all the way to Randall's Island in 2019? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. So. Um... I actually, you know, for twenty the 2018 Rooney season and for the 2019 Rooney season, I kind of had a different career setup and life situation. I was living in Weehawk in New Jersey, which is right on the Hudson River across the street from the city, um, pretty much as close as you can be um, to New York without being uh, in New York, closest area in Jersey. So, um, and I was working in Midtown Manhattan. So... I would pretty much commute from Weehawken to Midtown, and then I would work all day in Midtown. Then I go straight from Midtown to Randall's Island, and then I would have to get myself back from Randall's Island to Weehawken. Um, so that whole situation, you know, was not ideal and it was difficult. Uh, getting from that situation set up with Staten Island would have been way more difficult and almost yeah. unreasonable for me to do. So it's honestly worked out really well that I moved actually further into Jersey, believe it, believe it or not, and opened the business further into Jersey where I had a car and then I can just drive to practice in Staten Island. So ultimately it ended up working out. Um, I would say there they were about equally inconvenient, but <laughs> the timing worked out really well because commuting from, you know, Weehawken in Jersey to Midtown, to Staten Island, and then getting from Staten Island back to Jersey would have been really difficult. So ultimately it was pretty much a wash in the end of the day. <laughs> I but, mean, uh, I, I don't know how you feel, but like for me, I mean, don't, I mean, I did the, the commute, you know, to Manhattan for 10 years and, and, you know, the subway's great when, when you're, you know, going to work and stuff, but there's something about driving to, to work or driving to a place. And especially late at night, you can kind of, I mean, obviously you're paying paying attention to the road, but you're listening to the music you like. You can have the AC on if you want. I mean, you've been in the freaking subway in Manhattan. You know, that thing is just hot air rushing. You know, it's like a hot breath hitting you in the face. And I'm sure after, you know, even in February when you guys are practicing, 
it's not the best place to, to be after you guys work out. So I could just assume that just being in a car and just that little bit of fresh air makes the difference. Yeah, definitely. Being able to have like a car, you can put the heat on when, you know, especially if it rained in like December or something. And then I had to get from Randall's Island. I mean, Randall's Island, I had to take a bus to, to Manhattan. <laughs> There's only that one bus that goes there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I had to take the, the bus over and then I had to take two subways and then I had to take up once I got to Port Authority, I had to take a bus to Weehawken and then I had a 10 minute walk to my, my, my apartment. So it was like a crazy journey, especially if it was like cold and you were wet. So it is definitely nice being able to be in my car. I'm not a huge fan of paying the the tolls (laughs) over the bridges. The tolls are very difficult, Um, but you know, it's, it's ultimately, you know, it's, it's, it's a wash in the end. They're, they're all difficult, but I, I do appreciate being, being in the car. It's definitely nice. So ultimately it worked out well, the timing for me to kind of switch from working in Manhattan to working in North Jersey and opening the business along with the change from Randall's to Staten Island worked out pretty well for me. So. Yeah. And I mean, the, the, the change over to the, to the Staten Island facility, you actually have, you know, uh, um, uh, I can't talk right now. A locker room. The facilities yeah. are a little more. Uh, you have a little more in the facility in a way of protection from the elements. Don't get me wrong. You're still outside in, in February, but you know you can cut duck down the hallway to, to to you know get away from the wind. And to be honest, you know Randall's Island, where it's located, um, the wind is always hitting off that East River and the end of that Harlem River there. Versus where you are in Staten Island is not really on the water. So it is kind of actually a different environment uh, for people who don't know or haven't been to Randall's Island. We do have international viewers. So for the international <laughs> viewer, for me to go to Staten Island, they actually want me to go. I live in New York. They actually want me to go into New Jersey, go around the Island of Manhattan and get into <laughs> Staten Island. That's actually the way that, that they send me, um, believe it or not. It's it's easier to do it that way than go through Manhattan sometimes. Yeah, um, it's it's not easy moving around in the New York City area. So New York has its its perks, but uh, transportation is definitely a big challenge. <laughs> yeah, it's killer. Um, so you know, one of the things that I think is unique about you is you're one of those guys who's considered a quote unquote part time player, a quote unquote fringe guy. And I don't think that's a a term that's a pejorative term. I think or a derogatory term. I think that's a term that means you're fighting to make a roster just like anybody else in a professional league. I mean, you see it practice squad guys in the football team, always trying to crack the top, the 53 man roster. You see it in baseball guys coming up from the, the, triple a double a triple a single a to hit the big roster. And I think you're one of those guys. So can you just give us like a, a, an overview of how it works for you as one of those players? Yeah. So, um, my journey to Rooney was definitely a little different than the vast majority of, of the players. Uh, when I first started, I was probably 23 years old, I believe. I was my first year out of college. It was 2018 was the first season. And when they decided to make the team, obviously the, the most convenient place to look is Nyack and Old Blue because those are the two um, clubs that play in the highest division in the area. And you know, when they ended up after going through tryouts and everything, you know, the vast majority of our team was from those two clubs. There were maybe two or three guys that weren't. Um, so I was one of the guys that was from a smaller club. You know, I, I grew up playing for Morris Rugby in New Jersey. And uh, so that was definitely a hurdle and a challenge because I really had to prove myself during tryouts in the first year uh, that I can compete at that level. And, uh, you know, had to really put my hand up. So I had to, you know, I definitely couldn't go out to tryouts and just try to, you know, do my job. I had to definitely go out there and try to really make, you know, make a name for myself and put my hand up and do something to stand out. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, once I kind of got into the fold that very first season, obviously then I had all the opportunity in the world to kind of continue to develop during training and, um, you know, play obviously a lot in the preseason games. And then I actually got a, a quite a bit of playing time, even started um, a bit during the first exhibition season. So um, I got a lot of minutes that first year, which was great. Um, you know, each year uh, it's gotten definitely more difficult. We are bringing more and more talent every year, and uh, the roster is definitely getting really, really crowded with really top-notch players. Um, so it just kind of makes you have to elevate your game to that next level. And, uh, you know, some people might, you know, if you say I'm a fringe guy or whatever, I don't, I, I agree. I don't take it as a, um, you know, a point to, to kind of keep me down. I kind of just use it as a, you know, a way to keep pushing forward and use it as motivation. And, you know, being one of the younger guys on the team, there's still a ton of, uh, you know, room for me to grow and develop and, and get back on that roster. And, um, you know, having gotten quite a bit of minutes that first year, you know, I, I know what it's like, and I definitely want to push back and get into the roster more moving forward. Uh, I mean, even though the 2020 season was kind of truncated, obviously, because of COVID, I think the one thing we saw with Rooney was that, you know, unfortunately, injuries play a large part. And we saw that up front in the pack. And a lot of the younger forwards got this playing time because of injury. You know, like I said, it's unfortunate that that has to happen, but it is part of professional sports. So I think that for anybody in the MLR and any MLR team, you know, if that opportunity shows up, you have to make the most of it. And you had Julio come in on his first cap, I believe, and, and score that yeah. try. Uh, I, th- I th- He might've been the youngest MLR try scorer, I think, or he was close to it. Um, and again, it was just an opportunity presented himself for him to get some meaningful minutes and, and they put him in and he, and he, he, he made the most of it. And I think that, you're going to be one of the guys that when you get to have your moment, you're going to seize it. Um, that's why you're on the roster. That's why the, the coaches want you where, where you're at. Now, as far as the actual rugby, what position – I mean, there, there's always two sides to this question because every guy is a team player. So if the coach tells you you're going to play hooker and you need minutes, you're going to go play hooker. But what, where do you feel natural in the back line? Like what's your natural position? Um, I would say my natural position is outside center. Uh, and I've played a lot of different positions growing up. So um, I, it, I think it took me a while to find that spot. But I would say that's where I feel mo- most comfortable. And I feel like that's where my skill set fits the most. And I, I do think it fits well with um, Rudy's system and my, mm-hmm. you know, my skill set matching what we're trying to do. Um, but, you know, I definitely get moved around quite a bit. I, I play quite a bit of wing, actually, um, as well. And then even, you know, inside center as well. So I'm pretty comfortable at either center position or on the wing. And, um, you know, I definitely try to put my hand up as a guy who, you know, if I'm a utility guy on the bench, I can kind of be plugged into a couple different spots. Um, and, you know, even growing up, I mean, I played, I played scrum half, fly half, inside, outside, wing, fullback, and even played a little bit in the back row and the forward. So I definitely am a guy that moved around a lot. But if I had to peg one position, I would, I would call myself an outside center. Awesome. You know, it's, it's funny because I, I don't think a lot of our fans realize how big some of you guys are. You, you're, you're, you're taller, you're, you're broad shouldered. You're not, you know, everybody thinks of a back and they think of, of smaller petite guys and really you will Leonard, you're kind of barrel chested, big guys, and you have that ability to move through there. Um, and I think you're unique on the Rooney squad for being an American kind of like Mike Petrie and Chris uh, Matina, who has been in rugby so long that you have that IQ that other younger guys might not have who just played in college. You know, you were a high school All-American, then you did play four years at um, Middlebury College. So I, I think 
that helps in one put like you said raising your hand and showing what you could do because you have that iq the coaches can tell you something and, and trust that you're going to understand it and do it pretty much the first time um and i think that's a mindset that actually helps players as a team you always don't have you don't have to be the starter you don't have to be the captain to help um the synergy of a team you have to be vocal you have to be uh, helpful. You have to ask stupid questions or answer stupid questions for anybody. And I think you do that. Um, obviously you're a very articulate person and you, you, you have to articulate things for a living as you're doing them on, on clients. So I think that's just another, again, another notch in your belt on why you fit in, in the Rooney system and just fit in a, on a professional sports team. Um, so now I'm going to get into these hinky questions that I ask everybody. Um, so what's your favorite sports movie? Yeah. Ooh, sports movie. Um, top of the head, I got to go remember the Titans. Uh, excellent movie. Denzel Washington. Uh, super quotable movie. Mm-hmm. And a true story that I think is really inspiring. So I'm definitely a huge Remember the Titans guy. I'm trying to think. I think Will Burke had – no, Will Burke had Rocky, but then I think Remember the Titans second. <laughs> and okay. <laughs> I forget. Somebody else had remember, remember the Titans. Maybe it was Mikey Brown, I think, had Remember the Titans up there. It's an incredible um, so, one. So you gotta so, have remember the Titans up there. Yeah, I mean that's that's a classic for for everybody uh, going. Uh, you know, uh, I'm a football and you're a football guy. I'm a football guy, so that's one of those movies. You you know, yeah, it's like the program. Everybody's seen the program. If you played football, you see the program. You see Rudy. You see remember the Titans. Um, so my next question is, what do you eat prior to a meal? So again, this is one of those questions that's kind of nuanced. We had the butcher come on. He does intermittent fasting. Uh, Rob Aramiscu kind of was like, I, I don't do intermittent fasting, but on match days, I really don't eat, you know, at least six hours before a match. So what about you? What's your, what's your habit for, for eating? So I'm definitely a guy who likes to be full. I might be different than a lot of others. Yeah, um, you're the first guy to say that. <laughs> yeah. I like to be full, but uh, sometimes the match day butterflies get the best mm-hmm. of me. And I do struggle to eat a lot of times on match day. So pretty much six days a week, I'm eating as much as I possibly can. And then on match day, it definitely becomes a situation where I'm trying to to force myself to eat. Um, so, I mean, definitely night before, I'm always looking for like uh, pasta and meatballs and, and getting some good carbs before a game and hydrating. But morning of before a game, it, it's usually a banana to help with cramping and a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. That's pretty much what I get. Maybe a granola bar thrown in there. But I, I, as much as I like, would love to be able to eat a huge meal before a game. I usually just can't handle it. I just something about my the the rugby game butterflies get get in there and ruin the appetite for me. I mean, I haven't played anything rugby, football, hockey in years, but I do. You know, throughout high school and college, I was the same way. Like I couldn't really eat that much before a match or a game, and even hydration. I tried to hydrate the night before. Cause I felt like if I had that much, you just sl- kind of sloshing around, you know, and I, I hated that feeling. Um, so that was always a struggle for me trying to maintain that balance pre-match and then making sure at least by halftime, knowing that I had, <laughs> had to go like another, well, I, I went, I played division four. So, you know, we kind of, everybody played 80 minutes. You're lucky if you had 15 guys show up. Oh yeah. So I, I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't one of those front row guys that were like, Oh, 60 minutes on, and I'm out 50 minutes. I'm out. Yeah, you had to pretty much, game. Yeah, unless you were you were playing the whole game. So for me, it was that struggle at halftime. Like, should I drink more water? Should I not? Like, and you know, it's one of those things that, especially playing D four, you don't necessarily think about. And I graduated college 
who 10 years ago, 11 years ago. So, you know, it wasn't a physical fitness, eating right, hydration wasn't something you did just to do it unless you were playing division one sports or, or division three sports, you know? Yeah. So it, it, it was, it's now it's kind of a thing where like just college kids aren't even playing sports, but they're all eating right and hydrating and, you know, eating bananas and all that stuff. And it, I just find it funny that the game yeah. of rugby has changed uh, in college because of the MLR and because of guys going off to play in Europe. And uh, it, it's, it's fun to see. It's fun to go and see, Teams like Iona, teams like you know uh, um, Mount St. Mary, and these kind of little schools showing up on on a big stage of rugby, and you get that now with everybody and and the education of this stuff. Um, yeah. So my next question: so you talked about butterflies. Is there, I guess, a, a technique or something you do? Music? Do you read? Do you just prepare to kind of offset those butterflies? Yeah, I love a long, leisurely, you know, pregame routine in the locker room. I love taking my time, getting my cleats, you know, tied just right. I love getting my tape on my arm. Perfect. Uh, I love throwing some music in. I love having like quiet time just to sit and think. I love like having that time that I, I definitely really cherish that time before the game, reflect on my job, make sure I know my assignments, make sure I know all of my roles, make sure I have all the plays down offset piece and understand our patterns that's really like a really important time for me and um you know always say a prayer for safety for everybody on the field both um on both sides is is really number one and then other than that you know once you know once we're getting really close to game time i'm stretching i'm foam rolling i'm doing a lot of the things that i tell all my clients that they need to do through my business uh <laughs> and uh, i'm just trying to get my body moving i mean i might be young but i definitely feel like i have a lot of miles on me so I'm definitely doing everything I can to give myself every extra edge, you know, getting myself loose, getting myself warm and, and ready to go out there and, and perform to the best of my ability. It, it's interesting. Cause like, I know it's funny, Mikey Brown and Butcher had a similar mindset of preparing and looking at notes. And you could see that obviously they spend a lot of time together. Um, and I think most guys have an individual routine and I just find your routine interesting. Cause it's almost um, ceremonial. You know, like, yeah. like, you know, uh, um, the way like uh, a samurai prepares for battle, you know what I mean? It's, 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 which is completely different than me. I'm like, I, oh crap, I got to poop. I got to do this. I got to do that. I left my cleat. Oh, I'm missing, I'm missing, a, I'm, you know, I'm missing this. Where's my mouthpiece. I was, I was always all over the place. I never had a mouthpiece. I mean, never, I was always picking up dirty mouthpieces from the pitch just to, it would, I was totally not like that. Um, yeah. You seem to be more of a type A personality than me, but I just. I, well, I could see how that works though. I think it just it just comes down to like respecting the game. I I take the game so seriously and every I never step on the field without putting 100% into it. You know, a lot of people can go out and play a casual game of rugby. That's really hard for me. I am always 100% dialed in the whole time and um you know I've had injuries and stuff and I've missed games. I've missed big games. I've missed entire seasons in the past and I definitely feel like every game is a gift. So um, I almost take that time to be super appreciative and I, I really soak in every second of it. So if that means getting to the locker room an hour before everybody else and really taking my time foam rolling, taking my time stretching, it's all about appreciation. It's me like really appreciating the opportunity I have today to go out there and play um, because, you know, everybody's career has a time clock, but unfortunately we don't all play rugby at, you know, the high, the highest level you can forever. So, 
um, I'm definitely trying to soak it up as much as possible and really be aware that, you know, now's the time we need to seize it. And so I need to do my best today. That's a great mindset to have. And I think you, you actually, in some professional athletes, you don't see that. I mean, I'm just going to throw out, uh, if you're a baseball fan, you ain't a Cespedes, you know, he was golfing, he's doing this, he's screwing around on his ranch and he's not, he wasn't, you know, he hurt himself on his ranch and then he hurt himself playing golf and he wasn't prepared for the season with the Mets. And, you know, one, you, you look kind of look like a goof, like, you know, you're a professional athlete. How could you do that? And two, you're, you're not holding yourself accountable if you're doing that. And I think more successful professional athletes have your mindset of, you know, I have a short amount of time to do this kind of like the Tom Brady method. He's one of those guys. He has, he knows that his time's running out. So he has to eat, train, recover all in that time period to, to maintain what he does. Um, and I mean, I think it's, it's, again, the scientific approach to athletics is, is changed so much um, versus back, you know, when guys were drinking beers and playing football and then smoking cigarettes in the locker room. Yeah. But it, it's it's interesting again to hear your perspective and then doing it for a living and then and then actually following that procedure because I mean you could tell somebody to do something and then blow it off on your own but again you're holding yourself accountable because it makes the team better. So my other question to you would be: five years from now, you're a little older, professional rugby careers kind of out of reach for you because it's you know father time's ticking. Um, as you look to expand your business, obviously you have you have um, you know a brick and mortar in Ridgewood, like we said. Um, would you go and, and contract to an MLR team to you know the NFL teams to the NHL teams? Yeah, absolutely. We already were dipping our toe into that arena this year, actually, um, and uh, we had uh, a good relationship with the New York Guardians, which who are the you know the the XFL, XFL the New York XFL team, who we work with on multiple occasions. And then, you know, along with the number of, uh, you know, contracts with local, you know, high school age and club age uh, sports teams as well. So that's definitely, you know, the idea when I opened up this place was never, you know, I'm always thinking big. And the goal is definitely always to have multiple locations and, and definitely work with teams um, because I think we do, you know, our service and our methodology is, is really, really good and nuanced. And it's something that a lot of people could use to elevate to the next level, particularly for a sports team. So it's definitely something that we've already started to look at, dipped our toe into, and that we can move into going forward. That's great. Again, we always have to think about life outside of rugby. You know, everybody's not going to be the Dan Carters of the world, the Johnny Wilkinsons of the world. And let's be honest, you can play rugby at a high level, and then you can also do other things at a high level, and that's the whole point of this journey, yeah. especially in the MLR. I mean, do everything 110%. Jake, I'd like to thank you for being on Rooster Booster Time. It was a pleasure. Uh, you opened my eyes to the world of of have, being that fringe player, You know, doing what you love, playing rugby at 100%, doing what you love outside of rugby at 100%, and the trials and tribulations that come with both of that. It, it, it was, it's an awesome story. Thank you for being on. Yeah, no, thank you. I think the biggest thing in that position is just, you know, even if your role is to go out and practice, you just got to make the players around you better and help them prepare for that game. I mean, that's just as important as, uh, you know, any other role. So um, I appreciate you uh, giving me the time on here. And uh, thanks. Yeah, thanks again for everything. Awesome, Jake. And Rooster Boosters, that's another episode of Rooster Booster Time. I'll catch you guys all next week. Thanks a lot.